You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Um, my name is Rachel Kane, and I am the junior high director here at the Advent. I've been here for uh, one year, a little over one year, so time has flown by. It's been really, really fun, really exciting and challenging. Um, so today we're talking about relational discipleship in families, and so I'm really pumped to talk to y'all, but also as a disclaimer, I want y'all to know I don't have kids, so I'm not going to be trying to tell y'all you know, how to parent. These are just things that I've either learned from you know, being parented myself or also just in my job, you know, getting to disciple girls um, and then also just reading God's word. So we'll um, be talking about the what, the why and the how of relational discipleship. But um, I'll start us in prayer and then we can get started. So bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you now, Lord, and we, we praise you, God, that you are the God who draws near, that you are always with us, that you um, call us to be your disciples and to follow you, Lord. And I thank you that um, you love us, even though we are imperfect. And God, I just praise you, Lord, and thank you that we can come here and worship you and magnify your name. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer in who we just glorify and praise your name now. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's first talk about the what. So you've got this um, handout, and hopefully it'll be of some help to you. So one of our, so um, Cameron Coles, my boss, and we have like five different pillars of our ministry. And so one of them is relational discipleship. And so that definition is on, on your page, and it is that we want to help children connect with the truths of the gospel into the reality of their life through our relationships. And so this process occurs by the work of the Holy Spirit in the context of relationships, conversations, and care. And so we can, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. And so that there's two points in here that are just kind of big, that it's all about relationships, and it's all through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because so many times we can think, or I can think in, in my job, that like I have some power over these sweet junior high girls, that by me saying something, I'm going to get them to follow Jesus more. Praise the Lord that that's not true, that it's the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So, um, but also I wanted to kind of talk to in this bigger picture of just what parenting is. And so in talking to my, my mom recently about this talk, actually, you know, she was saying like, you know, what, what do you want your, your kids to be when, you know, yeah, when they're in their twenties and thinking about that, some of y'all probably have like little babies or teenagers or college age kids, but thinking about that, that question and that most Christian parents, you know, they would say, I really want my children to follow Jesus and, and walk with him. And as third John um, one says that no greater joy is this than uh, your children walking with the Lord. And that's really so true. I'm sure if I was a, a parent, that would be really true, but it's, it's true of, 
of even students that I have that I'm like, this is, it is such a joy to, to see them walking with Jesus and knowing who he is as king of their life. And even this week, this was just so encouraging that I thought I would, would share even this past week. Uh, one, one reason why I, I love my job is getting to share with girls about, you know, how to love Jesus, how to read the word. And, and it was just really cool hearing them talk. There were two girls this week and one of them said, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am a, a daughter of, of Jesus. I'm a child of God. And, and I was like, well, you know, we'll just put your picture up, you know, in the church. And then this other girl also was like thinking about my life in the future. All I want to be is a follower of Jesus. When I'm old, like it really doesn't matter how much money I make, what job I have, but I, I am a follower of Jesus. And I was like, well, keep telling yourself that, you know, you are in seventh grade. This will be awesome to keep, you know, just seeing how the Lord works. So that's just the um, bits and pieces of just what it is to you know follow Christ and kind of see him growing students and children today. So in the midst of this, you know, the whole world says, be successful, get a good job, make lots of money and have a great house. All these things, which are wonderful things. But then as, you know, Christian parents, the prayer is that our children will follow and love Jesus. And um, God makes that happen. So as Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began a good work in me will complete it. He will be faithful to complete it. And so the uh, good news is that your child's sanctification isn't up to you, uh, which how, how freeing is that? <laughs> so and then also, OK, on your page, I um there is a missionary named Jim Elliott, who he was a missionary to Ecuador, to uh, Ecuador, to the Aka Indians. And he um, was martyred there actually at age 28. So really young. But in a testimony to uh, his his parents, this is what he wrote. Could I have somebody um, read this quote from Jim Elliott on the first page? Anybody, any volunteers to read? Great, thank you. I do not wonder that you are saddened at the word of my going to South America. This is nothing else than what the Lord Jesus warned us of when he told the disciples that they must become so infatuated with the kingdom and following him and all other allegiances must become as though they were not. And he never excluded the family tie. In fact, those loves which we regard as closest, he told us, must become as hate in comparison with our desires to uphold his cause. Grieve not, then, if your sons seem to desert, to desert you, but rejoice, rather, seeing that the will of God, seeing the will of God done gladly. Remember how the psalmist described children. He said that they were as an heritage from the Lord, and that every man should be happy who had his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows? And what are arrows for but to shoot? So with the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them, straight at the enemy's hosts. Give of thy sons to bear the glorious message, the message of glorious. Give of, thy, give of their wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer, victorious, and all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. Awesome. Thank you. So this quote I just thought was so wonderful to hear that, you know, that God is um, calling parents to not just keep their, their children safe in that quiver. If I was... A mom, I would, you know, when I keep all my little ducklings right here, really close and control it all, you know, but that really what children are, are for are for sending them out. And 
So, and then also to send them out in prayer. And so we can come back to this, but that was just such a, a beautiful thing that I thought that he, he wrote as a, as a young man about to, to leave and go to this other country and leaving his, his family and all that he knew and telling his parents this, that, you know, this news of we've got to be sent out. And so, uh, so that's kind of the, the bigger picture of parenting. And so also really fast too, I kind of wanted to, to lay out what relational, uh, yeah, discipleship is not. So it is not you being your, your child's best friend and it is not you being a perfect parent. So, and I just, um, I have to tell, you know, myself that it's, it's not in like my job. It's not me or about me being the best disciple or like, the best teacher, the best Bible study leader, even though I put those pressures on myself for sure, but that's not what it's about. And so freeing y'all of like, your child already has the perfect parent in Jesus. So you can be free from that. And so what, what is it? Um, and it is just a, a lifestyle of just loving Jesus and living with your, your arrow pointed out to be outward facing towards your children and just modeling what that means to uh, follow follow Christ. Um, and I really do think that actions can speak louder than words, especially in, in parenting. Um, so, and then also I wanted to read too, this is a great book by Paul David Tripp and it's on, on parenting 14 gospel principles that can radically change your family. And so in thinking about what relational discipleship is, um, I kind of wanted to read how God uses parents. And so he says, God hasn't made a mistake in tasking you with being his tool for the forming of the souls of your children. You see, he has opened the eyes of your heart to his existence, presence, and rule so that you could be a tool of the same in your children. He has revealed himself to you, not just for you, but for your children. But there's something else he's done. He's bestowed upon you his forgiving, rescuing, transforming, and delivering grace so that you could be his tool of the same in the lives of each of your children. His gift of grace is not just so that you would be a recipient of grace, but also a daily instrument of that very same grace in the lives of those he has placed in your care. In his grace, you find everything that you need to be what what God wants you to be in the lives of your children and to do what he has called you to do with them. And so I just thought this was such a great um, message to, to parents that he's he's using you as as a tool, as a, a vessel of of mercy. And really that it's all about us knowing how loved we are in Christ and, and understanding that grace, too, because, you know, how can we proclaim grace all day long and then not believe it ourselves? And so I just um, really highly recommend that book as well. It's a great, great tool, and I'm not even a parent. So, um, so that's a little bit about the, the what. So let's talk about why. Why is relational discipleship important? So first off, the Bible gives a call to parents. And so in uh, yeah, Deuteronomy 6, 4, um, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. In these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head, on, on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So looking into really verse seven that, you know, the Bible gives this call to parents to, to teach your children diligently. And then also looking at uh, Ephesians 6, 4, which says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I really, I, I also love the uh, King James Version that I put on your page too, that it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, just that the translation of nurture really does have the idea of just training and correcting, which is just, you know, discipline. Um, and then admonition is just the instruction. But I really love those words in that translation. And um, one thing, too, in prepping for this talk, I just asked my three siblings. I was like, OK, just texting y'all. What are ways that, my, that our, our parents did that, you know, did this well with relational discipleship and what, you know, like what ways could they have done better? You know, they were definitely both. And one of my sisters, she said, in thinking about kind of the relational discipleship with discipline, she said, I know that um, the uh, talks that, that we had with mom and dad definitely helped versus just spanking us and being done with it. I think it helped us realize that mom and dad still loved us, even though we were being disciplined. And it also fostered a heart change. We had to talk through why we were being disciplined, which, of course, isn't fun as a child. But I think it helps you know, mold the heart of a child. And so I really think that that was really true of, of me. But thinking about how we knew that it was more about the relationship and we had to actually talk about like it's it's so not fun sitting down and talking about what did I do wrong? Like, again, you know, but can I my parents being patient enough to love me and not just be like, you know, I'm mad at you and just faking and we're done, you know, and sometimes I'm sure that that is so needed, but as well, just like knowing that we're so loved and and like even seeing the father's love through being gracious with your children. So that was one way that my sister said was, was really helpful. Um, uh, yes, I, I was. So, and actually I was, so I, uh, yeah, studied, um, family studies in college and that was a big debate on like, I I, and, I got because I in oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. We definitely had some debates in college about that. Um, so yes, one of my, my, uh, best friend's mom, she, her wise advice on spanking was to, to spank your children with the same emotion that, that you wash dishes. And I was like, that's a, that's a really good word because you're not just going to like slam those dishes and break them, you know? But I was like, that's probably a really good word to parents because, you know, I see moms in the middle of, you know, Target and they're just like, you know, but like, behave, you're making me look bad, you know? Um, and so that would totally be me as a mom. But, um, thinking about, yeah, the, the like the word totally does give us this call as parents to discipline our, our children. And I do think he gives wisdom to each parent on the best ways of, of doing that. And, you know, in what way is going to be most loving and most effective for them to see the gospel and see their need of it in those moments. Um, so, but prayer really is just the best tool always. So in knowing how to do that. Um, okay. So that's a little bit about, you know, that the Bible gives a call to parents, but 
He all, the uh, Bible also gives a call to all believers on this topic of discipleship. And so, first off, who does he call to be his disciples? He calls the weak, the broken, and the needy. And I am I'm one of those, <laughs> very weak and broken. Um, so yeah, like I, I said, this is me and my job all the time. And so, yeah, looking at you know, John 1 and when Jesus calls his disciples, it's just really cool to see how he, he really does call the weak and the broken and people who are imperfect and not not the the highest of um, the like greatest people. So it's a really good reminder. And so often I have to tell myself, 2 Corinthians twelve nine that my grace is, is uh, sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell upon me. And so that's very true, even in like in teaching and leading small groups, so many things. And I, and I just can only imagine how that would be so true in parenting that I'm sure there's there's times of feeling weak and like, why would God call me to parent these little nuggets? You know, fill in the blank, whatever word you want to put there. But... Um, little rascals, but he really does use us in our weakness. And one thing too, in this whole talking about, he calls the the weak to be disciples, that as I was thinking about how, how I was parented, one thing that was so helpful was seeing my parents fail and them show their weakness. And that really showed the gospel so, so, so much more clearly than, than them being like perfect all the time. Um, and in fact, I, I almost wish that like they had done that more because I think that that would have just really shown us like, oh, it's OK to fail. It's OK to be weak and broken. Um, and one thing, too, thinking about my dad saying to me, you know, like, sweetie, daddy messed up. That was wrong of me. I shouldn't have said that. Will you please forgive me? And I think, you know, hearing those words from my earthly father showed me so much of like, of our heavenly father's love and how he, he, you know, even views us. And I think not too many people get to hear their earthly father say, I'm so sorry, sweetie, will you please forgive me? And so, um, seeing that he had like messed up, even what, you know, whether it was with me or with somebody else, that was so beneficial long-term just to really understand the gospel of grace. And so, uh, Paul David Tripp also in his, uh, devotional New Morning Mercies, which is a great devotional. He says, you can face your weakness with joy because you know that you've been given grace for that weakness. Grace that is not a thing, but a person, the Holy Spirit, who makes you the place where he dwells in power. So that is some good news this morning that that grace is not a thing, but it's the person of Jesus Christ who has already you know, been perfect for us. So that is you know, who, who Jesus calls to be his disciples, the weak and the broken and the uh, needy. And so secondly, also, what did he tell his disciples to do? We can see this in Matthew 28. And so verses 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what does he tell disciples to do? He says to go and make and make disciples. And the main verb here is to make disciples. So really it could read, as you are going, make disciples. And disciple making really involves two basic tasks, baptizing and teaching. So baptizing 
includes the proclamation of the gospel of God's kingdom and the call to repentance from sin and faith in Christ. And then teaching involves instructing people to follow Jesus's commands or yeah, commandments concerning how God wants his people to live. And so thinking about this, these verses really is a call to all of us to go make disciples. And so these, these verbs, you know, as we are going, make disciples to baptize and teach them um, all that God has commanded. And so we can look at, at that, and that is really wonderful news for us to go and do. But thankfully, we have these two kind of promises sandwiched in between, like, yeah, that kind of sandwich those, those ver- um, verbs. And so first off, in verse 18, when it says, all authority has been given to me. So we can start there, that all authority has been given to to Jesus to even say these these words. And then he also ends with one of the best promises, that he is with us always to the end of the age. And so as we go out, and you know, yeah, like whether it's parenting or whether it's going to, for like me, going to Church Street Coffee, having a breakup cookie and talking about Jesus, he's with me always. And so, you know, every step of the way, every day in parenting. And so... The um, second principle in this book is is grace. And so the uh, principle two is that God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to do it. He never sends you out without going with you. And so if we told ourselves that every day, that would kind of radically change maybe how we would live and, and parent also, that he's always with us. And so that is a little bit about the why why the bible calls us to be disciples into that we're all needy and broken but also that we go out and make disciples and he's also given you disciples right in your in your homes you don't even have to go out and like look for them they're literally right there and so that's a little bit about the why so let's talk quickly about the how so the how i wanted to um talk about there's four four e's to evangelize, establish, equip, and export. But before we dive into those, the I, there's a kind of first, first E before we get to the, to, you know, to the four E's of relational engaging. And so children and students really will not listen or care to listen un- unless they know how much you care. And so my mom is like the safest place. And I think that she over time did that just by like listening to me and being present. And in all these years, I have needed a, a listening ear more than I've needed advice. And so that's been one reason why it's like that's the first person that I call on a great day, on the worst day. And so just through her relational engaging and just being there and knowing that, like, I can come to you at any point and cry. I can laugh. You know, all of that is just um, so I kind of have to tell myself that that before we even get into the like making disciples, we've got to just be there and be relational and be engaging with our children and for me students. And so, um, but then now we can dive quickly into the four E's. And so on your, um, you'll see on this back page of the handout, we've got this little diagram. And so evangelize uh, our students and children to Christ and establish them in Christ, equip them for ministry, export to, to impact. So those are kind of the four you know, points on how we can do this, how this can practically happen in our homes. And so the first one, evangelize, is just to, to tell them about 
Jesus. And so if we think about discipleship kind of being like a, a plant, this is the, the seed planting, which can be the most laborious and seemingly like the most dull task. It can be so hard. And then the establishing can be next of growing and cultivating their relationship with, with God. And so this is like watering and cultivating and taking time to be a little bit more nurturing. And then equipping is just building up and diving deeper um, to equip them to be sent out. And so this can be like the, the pruning and the nurturing. And then exports to send out our children as multiplying di- uh, yeah, disciples who are ready to then make other disciples. Because that's kind of the like end goal of discipleship. It's not just this like one plus one model and method. It's really multiplication of if you have two and then they have two, you know, we can reach the whole world. It'll be awesome. And so that's really exciting. And so um, kind of looking on this page, it's kind of self-explanatory, but I wanted to more focus on these boxes at the uh, bottom of the kind of what we are praying and hoping for in our children that um, kind of these at these different stages and thinking about like, you know, where, where, you know, where we are, where our children are. Um, and so we're like praying that that this, you know, M-A-R-C mark is is true of, of this first kind of stage and then like faith and fruit and worker. And so y'all can kind of look over those. So um, for a few minutes, I kind of wanted y'all can look over this and then also think of the question. It's on your your third page. But just what are the ways that you can incorporate the gospel of grace in family discipleship or whomever you are discipling. And so with just two to four people, maybe just talk for a a few minutes on just ways that you can think of to incorporate the gospel of grace into family discipleship. So kind of like, you know, either using this or just ways that that you thought of for your own home. So take a few minutes and then we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.